Well, good morning, everyone. Man, it's so good to see you. My name's Dwayne. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so excited you come out. This is my favorite time of the year. I love the weather. We had some great rain last weekend. The, the, the evenings are nice and cool. The mornings are crisp. Man, if you're a sports fan, this is like nirvana. You know, all, this, all the seasons are, are crossing. We're football in midseason. We have uh, the Sharks have started, if you're a hockey fan. The World Series. Any, any Cubs fans here? Uh, I know you've been suffering a long time. I've found it in my heart to forgive our Cubs for beating the Giants since they took out the Dodgers. And my favorite team is starting on Tuesday. I love the Warriors. And, you know, life just feels good. There's so much going on, so much to enjoy. But, you know, last week, Pastor Paul reminded us as we kicked off this Walking Dead series that things are not always like they seem. People can look like they're alive on the outside, but they're really dead on the inside. They can be walking around in their life you know, just going about their daily business. But Zombiology 101, you know, there's, there's something lacking inside. And you know, how rude of me. Let me introduce my friend to you. This is Sherlock Bones. I've invited him here today to, to help, you know, help us to, to get this point of a very important message. And uh, he's one of my friends. And don't knock it. You know, skeletons make great friends. They really do. They don't talk back to you. They listen to everything you have to say. And you know what? When he's lying, I can see right through him. He can't get away with anything. Man, can't get away with anything. And you know, I've been learning some things about skeletons, hanging out with my friend Sherlock. You know, every time we go to the restaurant, he orders the same things. He always has milk and spare ribs, you know, because milk's good for your bones, right? He always orders the same thing. And you know what he says every time, man, I can't believe it. He just, every time he gets on his Harley, you know what he says? Bone to be wild. I mean, every time. It's just, it's just funny guys. So funny. But the last thing, it's important for you to understand, you know, do you know why, why skeletons? Do you know all the Halloween monsters, skeletons are the biggest sissies. Do you know why? You know why they're the biggest sissies? Because they have no guts. They have no guts. But he's going to help us today. He's going to help us. He's got a serious purpose, all right? And so we're here, he's going to help remind us that, you know, we, we can look alive on the outside, we can cover up all our, our problems, all our shortcomings, all those emptiness and dry seasons we go through, we can look good on the outside, but, but the reality is so many people in our world are dead on the inside. And so also as followers of Christ, you know, we can be following Christ, we can love God, but we can get so caught up in all the busyness of life, and sometimes we feel empty on the inside too, like we're just not connecting and and, and it's not, it's like not doing it for us anymore because we're not living out our purpose. And we're going to look at a powerful message from Ezekiel. He's one of the great prophets in the Bible. He was born in Judah. He was trained to be a priest. He lived about 2,700 years ago. And he was carried off in captivity when he was about 25 years old. God allowed the Babylonians from uh, modern-day Iraq. The Babylonian Empire came, and uh, they, they, they defeated uh, Judah and they carried off many of the best young people to, back to their home to, to help them out and be their slaves, you know, basically. And Ezekiel was one of these guys. He was carted off. God allowed them to de- be defeated because they had continually refused to obey God. And they kept turning their backs on God, and he had sent messenger after messenger, and he warned them. And so he did this to teach them that he was God, and they needed to turn back to him. And in this, this message from Ezekiel... God, God is sending Ezekiel to this group of exiles. 
Here they are living in another land. They're feeling defeated and discouraged. They're, they feel like God's forgotten about them and given up on them, and they're kind of blaming God and, and instead of taking responsibility because we're here because of our choices, because of our sin. They're kind of blaming it, God. They're not getting what God wants to teach them, and they're feeling discouraged. And so I want to walk through this, one of the visions that God gave Ezekiel. I want you to walk through it with me. I didn't have room for all the verses on your outline. You can look up on the screen. It's a pretty amazing vision. Ezekiel says, The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground, and they were completely dried out. I mean, God showed him a real death valley. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? Well, this is an important question. You know, God's given Ezekiel a little pop quiz and, and more important than the question is his answer, because the answer, what he really believes, says a lot about God and how he's going to respond, how Ezekiel will respond uh, as he follows him. Ezekiel is pretty smart. I, I love his answer here because, you know, I'm, I'm sure he's going, well, you know, I've never seen bones come back to life. So that's probably the right answer. But I am talking to God. So I'm not sure. Maybe it's a trick question. So look what he says. Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. Oh, I like how he kind of defers it back to God. You know, he didn't, he didn't really give it. Oh, you know, God, I don't know. And he's admitting that he doesn't have all the answers. And then God said to him, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles in you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. Now, Ezekiel's life was marked by obedience. I I'd encourage you to underline that phrase. I, some of the verses are on your outline. Verse 7, just as he told me. This wasn't the weirdest thing that God asked Ezekiel to do. It was one of several. You have to read the rest of the book to see what else he asked him to do. But Ezekiel's life was marked by obedience and faithfulness to God. And so he's a great example of that. And so he says, preach to these bones. I'm going to bring them back to life. So think with me for a moment. I mean, what's one of the most, what is the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life? I mean, what's the most miraculous thing you've ever seen? Now, I thought of several things. You know, I, I think the most amazing thing is to see uh, one of my children being born. I mean, you walk in there and there's only two of you and you walk out. Now there's three. This, this, this human being came out of your wife. I, I don't know. It's just... I mean, I know how it works. I mean, I'm not stupid, but still, I, it's hard to wrap your head around, you know, like, whew, man, it's like Alien or something, that movie, you know, so that, that's amazing. But then you go down to the beach. I mean, I think the ocean is amazing, the power of the ocean, the waves crashing. And uh, last summer, uh, I, I saw whales breaching not far off the shore at Half Moon Bay. It was just amazing to me. I mean, all of the times I've been there, I've never seen that. I saw these whales breaching. Or you can go to the Sierras, and you can see the, the amazing uh, rock formations and, and all the waterfalls. And, man, how can you, you think, man, how could, how could you not believe there's a God who made all this diversity? All these amazing things you could see. But I think God gave Ezekiel even a more amazing vision. I mean, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around what he saw. So it says, suddenly, as I spoke... There was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, 
muscles and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. So now he's not covered by a a bunch of dried up, scattered out bones. Now he's surrounded by a bunch of dead bodies. I don't know what's creepier. I kind of think in the dead bodies myself, but he is surrounded by all these bodies. And God said to him, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. Kind of reminds me when God spoke and breathed life into Adam when he created Adam. And so Ezekiel says, I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. They all came to life and they stood up on their feet, a great army. Well, it's one thing to read about it. Maybe a little hard to picture in your mind. So why don't you watch a depiction of this with me? The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. That's a great Halloween video, huh? But he gave this amazing image to Ezekiel to show him that, man, God can do anything, that there's always hope, no matter how hopeless the situation is. And God's going to send him back to these people who had no hope. They were helpless. He's going to send them back with this message. And, and the, the, the passage ends, that, that story ends, he, when they stood up, they were like a great army. So he raised these people up. And I, I thought of like the church, when we come back into a relationship with God, when we receive Christ, God didn't create us just to go about and do in our lives on our own. He created us to join together in the church to, to stand and do God's work in the world. But what does all this mean to us as, as God's church today? What does this mean to you and me as individuals? Well, how many of you have ever been to Death Valley? How many of you have ever been? I encourage you to visit sometime. Don't go in the summer. Very hot place. Beautiful beautiful, very, very extreme, very rugged. I mean, you can understand where it got its name. Hard place to live on your own. And and Death Valley, on your outline, if you just write this down, for us, Death Valley represents a helpless and a hopeless place. This image that God gave Ezekiel, this helpless and hopeless place. 
And, you know, so often in the world, you know, we get the hope beat out of us. I mean, just so much helplessness and hopelessness around us. Every time you turn on the news, it's another terrible disaster or terrible thing happening. And uh, I like to read a lot of the, the book series that my kids read, young adult literature. And, you know, you read things like The Hunger Games and Maze Runner and The Giver. And they all have this bleak view of how the world is going to wind up one day when, the, when, when things go bad. And God wants to bring hope into our world. He wants to bring hope into our lives. And we see when we read on in this passage that the bones in the, in the, in the vision, they don't represent people who are dead They represent people who are hopeless. Look what God tells Ezekiel. Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. The people who are still alive, they are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Can you underline that phrase, all hope is gone? God's saying, man, these people need some hope. They need to know that there can be life again. They're feeling old and dried up and beat down and worn out and hopeless. And see, the bones, these people first needed to recognize their need for God. They needed to recognize how they wound up there in this hopeless place. They needed to recognize who God was. They needed to take personal responsibility for their choices. You know, the bones can kind of represent some of the sins that the Bible says separate us from God. And the Bible says we're all sinners. We all wind up zombies sooner or later in life. And the Bible says, you know, cursed are the feet that are quick to run to do sin, to do evil. You know, some people are just, your feet take you places you shouldn't go to do things you shouldn't do. And then you think about the tailbone. The Bible says it's a sin. It's a sin to know the good you should do and not do it. It's a sin. So, but, you know, so often I fight this temptation. So often, you know, there's a place and a time to relax and sit back, but sometimes I don't want to get up again. I love to be entertained and sit back on my tailbone. And that can be a sin. When I know that it's time to get up and do something that God's called me to do. And then you think about the fingers. You know, so often we like to, we like to point our fingers at people. Oh, look at them. Look how bad they are. Look at that person. Oh, talking, you know. And then our shoulders. We see needs around us. We see a broken, hurting world. And we see people that need our help. God's called us to do stuff. But we just shrug our shoulders. Say, you know, he doesn't shrug very well. But we shrug our shoulders. I need to go to a... Um, chiropractor yeah you need need a little get loosen up here so he needs a little uh but you know we just shrug hey, what what can i you know and we we don't we don't do anything and then our mouth our jaw bones man we speak words that hurt people that tear them down and, and man he can kind of remind us these are the things that that leave us dead inside our the bible says our sins you know we're dead in our sins and our trespasses and, and they, need to, they need to recognize this is how they got there so they can open up their hearts to God, receive his forgiveness, be brought back to life, as Pastor Paul ta- told us last week. And then we need to get busy doing what God has made us to do. So we need, we need to, to take stock. But what I see in the story is God's looking down at these people that have been punished because of their sin, but he sees their needs, he sees their hopelessness. He doesn't give up on them. He still cares about them, and so he calls Ezekiel to go and take this message. Ezekiel's name means strengthened by God. Very appropriate name. God sent Ezekiel to strengthen his people. And so what I want to ask for you as we get real personal here, man, what is your dry bone situation? Are you going through anything in life right now where you just feel as hopeless, like you're ready to give up? Maybe it's in your marriage. 
Maybe it's in your health or someone you love, their health. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's, it's your neighbors. Maybe it's your financial situation. Maybe it's you, you're, you've lost your dreams. Your hopes have been shattered. Maybe it's, you've got challenges with your kids or with your parents. And uh, so you're just feeling hopeless. You want to give up. You're just going through a tough time. Maybe there, there's times, you know, God takes us through dry seasons to teach us and grow us. But there's also times we go through dry seasons spiritually because we refuse to obey and follow God. Even as Christians, sometimes we go through these dry seasons because we're disobeying God and refusing to do what he called us to do. And so maybe you're in these dry seasons. How are you going to survive these times? I want to talk about three survival skills, three things that will help you to get through these times and not only survive, but also thrive. So number one, your survival guide gives life. Your survival guide gives life. Proverbs says, the words of God giveth life. You know, if you need some life, if you need some hope, get into God's word. I've been in some real death valleys in my life. I've been through some tough times. And I can tell you, there were times I had felt hopeless. And you turn to God's word and you, you just make, I had that habit of daily, regularly looking at God's word. And he began to encourage me and give me hope and remind me that, that we have a God who can bring life out of dead bones. I mean, if God wanted to, he could, he could make this fake skeleton turn to life. I mean, if he wanted to, he, the Bible says he created us from, from dust, dust, from all the things that he, he made. So what is your situation? You turn to God in the midst of that, your survival guide. And then here's, here's what the Bible tells us about Jesus. You, you get connected to God's word. It connects you to God himself because his word is a reflection of who he is. And, and I love what John says about Jesus. He said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I mean, Jesus himself is the very expression of God. He is God, and he's the expression of God and his words and his truth to us. And here's what Jesus said. He said, ah, I'm so excited. I skipped, the, I skipped the fill in there for you. Sorry. God's word not only informs us, but it transforms. It not only informs, but it transforms. It doesn't just educate us, but it's there to change our life, to give us hope, to give us life, and to show us how to live and what to do. And Jesus said this, John 6, he said, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. You underline that phrase, they are full of the spirit and life. Jesus's words, Jesus's words come, uh, written down for us in the Bible, they're full of the spirit and life. And if you want some hope and if you want some life, you want some encouragement, you want to survive and know what to do during the dry times, you've got to get into your survival guide. And so my personal question for you here is, how are you getting into God's word? How are you getting into God's word? You've got to make it a priority. You've got to schedule it. You've got to put it into your calendar. It won't happen. It won't happen by accident. I try to do it at the beginning of my day because if I wait to the end, things tend to crowd it out. But nothing, nothing can change the lives of people like the Bible. See, it's, it's, it's God's word to us. As there's power. God's spirit works as we expose ourselves to his word and we listen and we, 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 we grow. God's word shows us our true condition. God's word tells us all that ultimately without Christ, we're all basically dry bones inside. We're all dead and we need Christ and we can't fix ourselves. The Bible tells me in my need for a savior that God loves 
loves me and that Jesus came and died on the cross for me. It teaches me how to have a relationship with God and how to live for God and how to have a healthy relationship with others. I've seen alcoholics and addicts get clean and sober when they begin to get into God's word and allow God to work in them and they, they seek to follow him. I've seen husbands and wives who are living self-centered lives or terrible spouses, not involved with their kids, just living for themselves. When they get into God's word, I've seen it change people's hearts and lives. It's changed them into to spouses who are doing everything they can to love their spouse and raise their kids to love and follow Christ. I've seen God's word change a young man who, who was full of anger and who didn't have a lot of peace and contentment. I've seen God's word change a person like that into someone who has peace and contentment and purpose and direction. By the way, that last one was me. That's my story. You know, God's word has changed many of your lives. And you've got to get into God's word regularly if you want to keep hope. If you want to keep hope alive, because man, the world is not going to give you a lot of hope. It's going to suck it out of you. You've got to plan it. And we have some classes designed to help you, to help you grow in your your abilities to get into God's Word. Coming up in November 12th, we have a Growing Spiritually class. Talk a little bit about how to, how to read the Bible, how to develop a plan, how to get into it. How, what are some good tools? How do you pray? Just a short class, about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. I encourage you to sign up for that on your communication card, the Growing Spiritually class. God's Word. Nothing else is going to change this world. You know, politics and laws, they're not going to, make, they're not going to fix people's hearts. We can pass all the laws we want to. You can elect whoever you think is going to fix our problem. It's not going to change anything. I mean, just, just for example, we can make it illegal to, to hate other people or discriminate because of the color of their skin, but it doesn't change anybody's heart. We have, it starts in here, and only God can do that in God's Word. And so you've got to get into God's Word. If I thought politics would change people's lives, I'd be a politician. I'd be out there campaigning and fighting for... But man... 33 years ago, God got a hold of me and convinced me that this is the only answer, his word and his power in Jesus Christ. And so that's what God says, man, you want, there's no hope apart from God. And so God calls us to follow him into this relationship with him. And and we fill up our lives, we fuel our lives on, on his word. And then a very interesting thing to me. Number two, God called me and he called you to be on his SAR team. You know, the military has abbreviations for everything, the SAR team, the search and rescue team. You know, we have search and rescue teams for, for people who get lost in the mountains, for people who get, uh, are, are, are stranded in the ocean, for people who get lost. We have search and rescue teams. And the truth is, God doesn't need us to communicate with people. He could just grab everybody like he did Ezekiel and give them his word. But for some reason, God's chosen to work through you and me. And when you, when you accept that responsibility and you begin to do what God made you to do, you will begin to feel more and more alive as you partner with God to do his mission, as you partner with God to do what he called you to do, and as you see God and experience God working through you. But you've got to answer the call. You've got you to say, man, I've got to get out there and do my part. I don't save anybody, but I'm taking them to the person who can. I'm taking them to Jesus. I'm taking that message. God wants us to see the world as it really is. When I was in college, 20-year-old guy, I was a business major, and uh, I liked working with people. I, but I came to this point where I said, you know, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want me to do, I surrender to you. I've been trying to live it life both ways. 
and I began reading God's Word. And, and there was a passage in Ezekiel that really gripped me, and God really spoke to me. It's in Ezekiel chapter 3. He said, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. Someone who kind of looks out for people and warns them and points them in the right direction. And he said, when I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life. If you don't warn them, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person, and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. You won't be responsible for them. You know, as a young person, man, I was committed to following God. And uh, you know what? I took God's word very seriously. I still do. And I read this passage, and you know what? I was very convicted. I have a responsibility. Now, you have a responsibility because you've read this passage. And we all do it in different ways. We don't all function in the same way. God calls us to do different things. But we, we all have different methods, different ministries, different giftings, different, different abilities, but we all have one mission. And that's to get on this search and rescue team and help people connect with God because their life ultimately is hopeless apart from God. So I ask you, will you answer the call to be a watchman? Will you answer the call? Last week, Paul, Paul showed the clip from The Walking Dead and one of the key characters, Herschel. He was taking a risk. He was risking his life because he said, I can save lives. It's reason enough to risk mine. See, God's word, it changes us. God's word takes those feet that are quick to run to do evil. And the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So you start to take good news and hope and love and serve someone. And and you get off your tailbone and you start doing something for somebody. And you start helping somebody. And God will use you to bring life and hope. And instead of pointing a finger... You, you, you offer a hand. You serve someone. You offer someone a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Instead of, excuse me there, instead of shrugging your shoulders, <laughs> instead of shrugging your shoulders, you say, you say, I'm going to shoulder my responsibility. I'm going to do my part. Whatever God's called you to do, where he's called you to sing or run the soundboard or teach kids or lead a group or Whatever it is, you, I'm going to shoulder my responsibility and I'm going to use my jawbone to invite people to church and tell them about Jesus and tell them what he's done in my life. God transforms us and he calls us to be a watchman. Now, in most zombie movies, as soon as the infection breaks out, what does everybody do? It's all chaos. They all run. They all want to get behind the fence, right? Some of you think this is where I belong. Okay. They want to get behind the fence. They want to protect themselves. They want to play it safe, right? Oh, man, we got to save ourselves. Oh, we're not, we're not going to risk getting infected to save anybody else. Now, many of you guys, you like to watch romantic comedies with your wife, or, or maybe you do it to humor her, I don't know. But you, you know, a lot of us guys, well, I, I secretly enjoy a good romantic comedy. Nothing like The Notebook, no tearjerkers, but I like, you know, a good laugh. And a while back, my wife, Jennifer, she brought this movie home called Warm Bodies. It's a zombie romantic comedy, one of those mashup movies. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not real sure about this, a zom rom-com. You know, I don't know, what we, I don't know what we do with that. But it's actually a pretty good movie. It's funny. And uh, in the movie, one of the, one of the uninfected humans, she finds out, she makes friends with a zombie, and she finds out there's, 
There's a cure. There's something that will help the zombies. So they, they know right away they got to get back to all the healthy people and share with them how they can help save the zombies instead of trying to exterminate them. But of course, no one wants to listen because there's risk, right? They don't want to get infected. They don't want to risk themselves. They, they're just looking out for themselves. They want to play it safe. And you know, sometimes in the church, we want to play it safe too. We want to hide in our, our little fortress, our little walls, we want our little Christian bubbles. We want to be safe. And Jesus didn't call us to play it safe. Jesus didn't play it safe. He risked everything for us. He left heaven. He came here, he was mocked, misunderstood, spit on, nailed to a cross. He risked everything for you and for me. And then he calls us to join him, to get on his search and rescue team. Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he wants us to be about that business of going to share that message with people who need what we have. We're not better than anybody else. We've just received the cure. We've received Jesus. And we've got to take that cure to other people. When Jesus looked at the world, when God looked at the world, they were compelled to act because of their love. They saw how hopeless and helpless we were. We have to act. We have to take risks. So I want you to watch a scene from The Walking Dead. In this scene, this guy named Merle, he learns that his brother may still be alive. So they're living in this nice compound, but he wants to go out and look for his brother. And he has to go to the governor, kind of a tough guy. Uh, I haven't really watched the whole show. I just watched a couple episodes, but you can tell this guy means business. And so he goes to the governor to get permission to take a rescue team and look for his brother. So uh, watch this conversation with me. good. We should visit Augusta. Take only the women, let them play. We'll be historic. And break decades of tradition. Absolutely. I don't know. Some things are worth holding on to. You know, I, I was thinking of taking Tim and Martinez out on a scouting mission later on this week. For what? Blondie said my brother was still alive. Eight months ago. You can track with the best of them, but it's like a needle in a haystack. She told me uh, where I could find that farmhouse they were holed up in. It could be anywhere. I know my brother. If he's out there, I'll be able to find him. But if someone gets hurt during this search, huh? Well, almost had the Crowley last time. Then I'll go on my own. I get what you're feeling, and I really do, but I can't risk it. I need you here. <laughs> this whole place would fall apart without you. This is my brother. Tell you what, huh? You get more concrete information, I'll go with you myself. All right?
Merle told me you provided information about his brother's whereabouts. What I could. It wasn't much. Well, it's giving him hope. If you ask me, I don't think he'll find him. But he's got to look. look. What about you? Think you'll find what you're looking for? I don't know what I'm looking for. For the longest time, it was all about survival. Nothing else mattered. So much so... I don't know what matters now. about you as a follower of Christ? Do you know what matters now? You found what you were looking for. You found Jesus. But until you find the purpose he's made you for, you're just going to be wandering around, Christ follower, you love God, but something's still not going to be right in here because you're not obeying God and doing what he's called you to do. He's called you to get on his search and rescue mission. And as long as you know there's hope, you got to look. As long as Merle knew there was hope, he had to take a chance and go look for his brother, no matter the cost, no matter what it cost him. We're all tempted to play it safe and stay in the compound to avoid risk. Do you know we have four people from our church in Ethiopia right now? They've gone to help people in need, people who are poor and struggling to make it. They've gone to help some ladies who are trying to get out of the sex trade, get back on their feet and find another way to to make a living. And one of them celebrating their 60th birthday today. Can you imagine? I mean, they're not playing it safe. 60 years old, going to the other side of the world. I'm going to help somebody. That's the heart that they have. They're out there searching on this team. And God calls us as a church and as individuals. And I want you to write this question in on your outline. It got left off. Who, who is God sending me to? Who's God sending me to? Who's the person that comes to mind? Who's someone that God wants you to go to and offer some love? Share what God's done in your life. Maybe invite them to church. And I want to personalize this next verse for you from Romans 10, because the person that comes to mind for me is a, is a guy I know named Paul. Not Pastor Paul, but another Paul, okay? Romans 10. You can see it on the screen there. It says, but how can Paul call on him to save him? How can he call on Jesus to save him unless he believes in him? And how can Paul believe in him if he's never really heard about him? And how can Paul hear about him unless someone tells him? And how will anyone go and tell Paul without being sent? And you know, Jesus sent us. He commanded us to go make disciples, to get out of our compounds and go out and look for others who need to know about Jesus. That's why we're here as a church. That's why Crossroads exists. That's why I moved my family here 16 years ago, because I believe in the vision of this church. That's why we're working so hard to build a building. It's not easy. That's why we're working hard. In the midst of trying to build a building, we're going to send 50 people out to help launch a new campus. We're going to financially support a new campus. Why? Because that's why we're here. We're here to lead seekers to love Christ, love others, and live life on purpose. And we got to go out to them, and we got to offer that message, and, and we need to invite them to come and join us. And join us in this mission. It's why you're here on this earth as a follower of Christ. It's why the day you received Jesus, God didn't immediately take you back to heaven. He left you here to share that message with others. And so you've got to stay in your survival manual. You've got to stay in the Bible. And you want to really find life and hope and purpose. You get busy helping share it with someone else. You get on the search and rescue team. And then number three, never give up hope. Never give up hope. 
See, sometimes in life, things get so bad, we just, we want to give up. But we read God's word. It reminds us of who God is, that God can bring life to dead bones, that God loves us. He cares about us. He sees our situation. All through the Bible, we see hope. Jeremiah says this, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. When we're following Christ, life gets hard, but we're not doing it alone. We have God in us, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, we sang earlier. We have, when we're surrendering to God, He will empower us. As we begin to follow Christ, life gets a little harder. I mean, we found purpose, we found a relationship with God. But see, when you're, you're just living your own life, off doing your own thing, in your own world, Satan doesn't really care about you. You're taking care of yourself. But when you come to God, you start searching for truth, and you open up your life to Christ, and you get, you get excited, and you get on the search and rescue team, now Satan, he wants to discourage you. He wants to remove your hope. He wants to get you distracted. It's like you have a bullseye on your back. He, wants to, he doesn't want you to get out there and help someone else come to know Jesus. He doesn't want you to be a part of God's army, of His church, who's working in this world. And if you want to keep your hope, not only do you need God's Word, and not only do you need your mission, your purpose, the search and rescue team, but you need to band together for survival. Isolation is a killer. And when you're isolated, it's so easy to give up hope. You need to band together. And you need to, it's important to come to a service and be reminded of God's word and be encouraged. But it's also important to get into a small group, to get into a life group. That's why we remind you all the time. You know, Karen McGovern and I, we oversee the small group ministry here, the life group ministry. I've, I've led groups all the last 30 some years. I've seen it time and time and time again. How God uses the relationships built in a small group where trust is built and love. And you get to know some people and you begin to open up and share where you're hurting and the deserts you're going through. And there's people who want to encourage you and remind you of God's love for you. And they won't let you quit. And we need each other to keep our hope. We need each other. Galatians 6, we're commanded to bear, carry each other's burdens. And we do that as we build relationships. Let me close by sharing a great story great story at the end of Acts. Paul's a prisoner. He's being uh, taken to Rome for trial. And they're in this boat, and a big, terrible storm comes. And, and it's just going on for days and days, and they've given up hope. They're not eating. I mean, I'd probably be seasick after that. You know, they've just given up. And the Bible tells us, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. We just gave up hope. We quit trying. But Paul stood up before them and he said, but, but now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. You know, God had shown him what will happen. And you need somebody in your life, you're going to stand up at the right time to stand up and say, look, things are tough. You may lose some things, but in the end, you, you won't lose because you're good with God. You have a relationship with him. You're not lost. There's always hope and he'll help take you through that death valley. So when I look at this story of Ezekiel, it's a powerful reminder that God sees you. He sees what you're going through. He sees the mess, the hopeless situations you're in. He, he loves you. He cares about you. And he wants to help you. God can bring life to any set of bones. He can bring life to your dry bone situation, no matter what you're facing. 
Now, I'm going to ask everyone to bow their heads. No moving around for just a moment. Give you a chance to pray and respond. And maybe you're here today and dim the lights just a little bit. No looking around. If anybody's here today and you're just at a place, man, you're ready to give up. I don't know what, in, in a certain area of your life, maybe you're just ready to give up. Your marriage, on your kids, and work, you're giving up hope, whatever. And you just need some prayer. You need some special prayer. Would you stand right where you are? Nobody looking around. I want to pray for you if you need some hope. Thank you. I'm going to pray for you. And those of you who have your heads bowed or sitting down, would you pray for those folks who've stood up? Just pray in your heart where you're at. And God, I look around this room. I know there's some people here struggling today, and they're, they're standing up saying they need some help. They need some encouragement. They're in, a, they're in a death valley in some area of your life. You know what's going on. And God, I pray that you would reach into their lives, that you would encourage them, that you'd put the right people around them, someone to help them keep going, to, to speak those words of truth. And to remind them that there's always hope with you. And that you're not through with them. And you're with them. And God, I pray they would turn to you in faith and trust. And you, they would begin to see some hope. To see some way through what they're going through. Help them, God. Please help them. We're, putting, we're trusting that you're going to work in their lives to help them. To bring hope and courage and strength. Solutions. So if you're standing, you can go ahead and sit down. Lord, just thankful that you hear our prayers, that you want to bring life and hope, and we trust that you'll help each person who stood up, God. Would you help them? Help them to survive the death valley they're going through in their life. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.